As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. I wish I got that kind of uh, response every time I was on a video chat with something. Listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 256 of Sapnin Podcast, featuring myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, uh, and I would hope you tell all your friends about this podcast anyway, yeah. but I think we're a lot like the greatest romance of the 21st century, Sean. No, 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 no. Well, we're sold. We're cute without the E. And you, you are know who I do. Fucking, you are about to be cute without the E next time I see you in the, in the flesh. <laughs> you absolute bastard. Yes, this week's guest is singer, songwriter, multi-musician, and all-round good egg, the lovely John Nolan of Taking Back Sunday and Astralite Run. Woo! I mean, what can I say about Taking Back Sunday that I haven't already? They are literally my favorite go-to band, probably the prodigal sons of that emo Long Island scene, and just people I always want to hear stories about. They have a brand new album coming out next week on October the 27th, titled 152, which is a number... You've probably seen on quite a lot of this stuff over the years, very sentimental to them. And we actually had Adam Lazara come on episode 152 of Sapton Podcast, telling us all about the importance of that number two years ago to the podcast date. This is 256. Wow. That was 152. Literally two years worth of podcasts in between. And I hope John's going to uh, give an insight in, into a little bit more behind that as well but just honestly a band that has influenced you and i on so many different levels musically uh aesthetically inspiration it's just a band we absolutely adore yes very much so um it's a band that i even shot a video in the same place as they did in Ooh. la once um we shot uh save ourselves and children of the night um in 20 hours in a warehouse in LA, and then I went to the back of the warehouse, and I was like, oh, there's a giant fan there, which just happened to be from the set of Make Damn Sure. But yes, what a fucking band Take Back Sunday are. They do a bit of everything, emo, screamo, straight-up rock and roll, grungy in parts, dancey in parts. They've literally done it all in the music, and I am thankful they exist because they have been one of the most influential bands in the scene over the last 20, 25 years. Honestly, and especially with everyone just loving emo nostalgia at the moment, they're the perfect band for that. We've always admired John. Um, he's been on the podcast before, very, very early on, but we just really appreciate the fact that he's taken the time to do a full episode with us. You know, he's a very shy individual, doesn't, on the surface, doesn't do too many of these, 
and we can't wait to hopefully dive into a lot of different topics from TBS's different eras, Straylight Run, guitar riffs, melodies, and just some ridiculous memories they have with this legacy on the scene that means a lot to us. But before we go straight into the conversation, uh, just a reminder, if you do enjoy these podcasts and want to support myself and Sean, please head over to patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Not only do you help this thing happen every single week, not only do you get to meet a community of people that are your best friends in the entire world, but you get to know the guests before anyone else. And this week, we even posted a photo with someone on there uh, that we bumped into in Cardiff walking around and might come on the podcast soon. So, uh, you know, if you love a little bit of gossip and you can't wait to find out, head, uh, head over patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Give us a follow at sapninpod on Instagram and the app formerly known as Twitter. But without any further ado, let's get straight into this. This is episode 256 with John Nolan of Taking Back Sunday. Aye. Sapnin! Sapnin! Lovely. Sapnin! 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 Yes! Yes, our guest this week is singer, songwriter, vocalist, um, solo artist, (laughs) multi-instrumentalist, the lovely returning guest, John Nolan of Take It Back Sunday and Straight Light Run. And John Nolan, how are you? John Nolan. I'm very good. (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, honestly, it's, a, it's always a pleasure speaking to you, John. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this. I mean, it's very exciting time. New Taking Back Sunday coming out, a lot of, uh, lot of stuff yeah. going on. But how are you doing? How's things behind the scenes at the moment? How's things in the Nolan household? <laughs> um, things, are, things are good. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot, of, a lot of interviews and things like this, gearing up for, for the album. And uh, it's been... It's been, that's been very exciting. Uh, and then also, I, you know, I have been home for a couple of weeks now while doing this. So it's, uh, it's always nice to have a break at home. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of gearing up for being out on the road again uh, in another month or so. So yeah, trying to just take, take it all in and spend some time with the family and nice. uh, yeah, get ready to go out there when the album's out. Am I right in saying that Adam is actually living down the road from you now for like the last couple of years? Are you like close, still close neighbors? Um, we used to live um, just a, a block or two from each other. Um, so I mean, yeah, for, for probably like six years or so, uh, we lived in Charlotte and so did uh, him and his family. And uh, they actually moved for a little bit and then moved back to Charlotte and we moved to uh, Lawrence, Kansas probably about three years ago. So now I'm um, in the middle of the, of the country and pretty far away from anybody else in the band. But uh, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting on the, the day when everybody realizes that they need to move to Lawrence, Kansas. And, uh, <laughs> you know, any day now I think it's going to happen. Well, yeah, well, we, we would, if Taking Back Sunday called an emergency rehearsal tonight, where would it be? <laughs> it would probably end up being on Long Island because we have two band members that are there. It's the only place now where more than one band member lives. So it's, uh-huh. you know, I think kind of ends up being the, the most sensible place to try to get together. See, I was I was trying to set it up to see if, like, when you were living close to each other, if you or Adam would run to each other's house at random times, knowing that you had a melody stuck in your head and trying to write a song very quickly. <laughs> like, the worst possible times, just like... <laughs> I don't think that ever happened, but uh, <laughs> it definitely could have. There was also some funny times where even, like, talking about a song that we were working on or something we were recording where we would be talking on the phone, but... Uh, Literally, I think like if we yelled loud enough uh, from our, our front yards, we could have been talking that way. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, yeah, we were just talking on the phone while I was looking at him <laughs> through, the, through each other's windows. 
Oh yeah. We did that. We did that too. <laughs> well, Morg, I just realized, yeah, if they lived close together, they'd still probably just phone each other, wouldn't they? Or Zoom exists as we can as uh, we currently well, yeah, are on. Yeah, but yeah. you know, trying to trying to make funny stories happen, Sean. Come on, let's Yeah, uh, let's I've never it. run out of my house and started <laughs> screaming for my bandmate. <laughs> I think I've come well, up with man. a idea, melody idea. You're missing out. Like <laughs> I know. Yeah, perhaps that's why. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, that's that's probably why my band's not as good as you was. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, shit. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. John, before we start getting into a lot of things, I mean, you've been in this industry for so long that I feel there's obviously elements that come with it that kind of die off or kind of aren't as fun or kind of aren't as exciting as they used to be. But one thing that's happened to you lately that is very surreal is you got the chance to go out on the field of the Mets and do, yeah. um, do a throw with your son uh, on, on that field. I'm sure coming from a sports guy, that was such an incredible experience to do after all these years and a nice experience away from the band, but still have your bandmates there. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, definitely one of the, the highlights of, of my experience in, in any band and any, I've gotten to do a few things, um, Mets related over the years. And then anytime I get that, it, it's like, you know, dream come true type thing for me. I, I became a Mets fan when I was about seven years old and, uh, and have been one ever since. So yeah, to get down on the field and throw the pitch and also to, you know, have my son there, throw the pitch to him, like just, uh, you know, real surreal kind of uh dreamlike moment. That's awesome. How did that come about? Did they contact you or does management go, Oh, John fucking loves you lot. <laughs> someone at the record label got in touch with someone in the Mets organization and uh they they set it up the the uh they they were able to put the, the label put together this like promo video that they played on the screen there um right before i threw the pitch and uh the the thing that's also was kind of crazy is the the city field where the mets play recently put in what i think has got to be the biggest video screen in in sports the the screen is like literally uh you know takes up the like half the length of the outfield maybe more and is almost as high as the top of the stadium so the screen is gigantic and we got to see that the, this like promo video with clips of our music video and the song playing on it and uh, that was really cool wow 
<laughs> I love how these little sports emo crossovers happen sometimes. It's just uh, it's just yeah. great to see. But no, as we said, like it's a very exciting time. You know, this new album now, One Five Two, is coming out um, next week, and this number is so sentimental towards the band. It's kind of like an inside joke that you've let us in on over the years a little mm-hmm. bit, but just kind of showcasing it on on different covers and backdrops and things like that. We actually had uh, Adam come on the podcast for our 152nd episode, which so oh, happens nice. yeah. to be two years ago this week to explain about oh, it all, wow. which is a very nice coincidence. But uh, I was wondering I if that. you could open up a little bit on what that number kind of means to you individually and how it relates with this new album. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know if Adam... Uh, told his story about the origin of that number. I'm guessing he he probably did on episode 152. You know, so that that all started with him and his connection uh, back to to North Carolina and and his friends there. And ever since then, you know, it's been incorporated into the artwork of, um, of all the albums and incorporated into merch designs and things like that as well. And um, so, I mean, I guess like to me over the years, it's kind of become a little bit of like a, a like a secret code or, or something where, you know, it's like if someone's at a certain level of, of fan of our band, you know, it's something they recognize and um, could, can be a little bit of a way for other fans to identify, you know, what level of fandom <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're at, you know, and um but you know, it, yeah, it's it's something that's just been a little more low key, but always there. And um, and we felt like with this album, it was you know it was a good time to bring it to the forefront. And you know, we also had really thought about wanting this album to be a self titled album. It felt like it would make a lot of sense. It seems like a reintroduction to the band. But we had already done a self-titled album, so that option was was off the table. So this seemed like the closest thing to it. Yeah, it's trying to work out how you could do that. Yeah, it'd have to be something like Take It Back Sunday Two. The yes, prequel. we talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> but we had, we had that that idea went went down pretty quickly. Yeah, Taking Back Sunday Two just that sounds like <laughs> yeah. a weird wolf to something that uh, nobody even knows. Take it back Sunday, minus one. This is the one before <laughs> the self-titled, honest. Minus one. We didn't think of that. <laughs> but how cool has it been over the years to kind of see people embrace that number as well? And you said it's kind of like a, a secret code between you all, but I'm sure having it out more in the public eye now and kind of expressing the uh, origins behind it and why you've kept it in the banding mm-hmm. on stuff for so long is nice to see in many ways yeah it is it, it's uh it's you know to to have people at the level of you know of appreciation and you know dedication to the band that that we've had for for a long time is just just a really um amazing and kind of mind-boggling thing and and i think the the 152 part of it is is just like a uh that's one element of it or representation of it you know and uh and then i think bringing it out it's and making it the name of the album now i think it'll it'll take it away from being um maybe as as low key or, or secret of a thing but um i think it also kind of like brings everybody in on it now and uh i think there's something to be said for that as well there was a lot of uh, buzz online a couple of months ago when you were kind of filming some music videos around this of uh, footage of you guys playing our backyard show. Mm. And mm-hmm. that looked absolutely crazy. But me and Sean were having a little discussion off there about this. Um, how hard was that to organize? And how manic actually does those shows kind of get these days? Um, well, once we... we, we it was a bit hard to organize at first, but originally the idea for the music video was going to be more of um, recreating a, a show like that. 
And at a certain point, we kind of said, well, why don't we actually just do one, uh, do a show like that and, and film it and make that the music video. And once we knew we wanted to do it for real, we got in touch with a lot of our friends that still live on Long Island and still connected to like the local scene there. And um, our one of our friends, Mike Dubin, actually... Uh, manages a young band from Long Island and was friends with a guy who puts on backyard shows currently with uh, bands from Long Island. He's in this neighborhood there, but I guess his neighbors are cool with it. And so they'll have shows pretty regularly in his backyard. So once that connection was made, things really uh, fell into place. Um, but I mean, it was it like what what you see in the in the video, a lot of the the crowd footage was taken from that, like our actual little concert that we played there. We did uh, a few takes of kind of up playing the, the new song and then like a, a six or seven song set. But, uh, you know, it, it's as crazy as it looked in the video. Um, if, if not more so, cause there, there's always the, the thing too, when people are crowd surfing and moshing like that and in such a small area, people, you know, falling onto the stage, people knocking into microphones and like, it's uh, just, it, it's kind of just pure chaos in a lot of ways. Um, but that's what our shows were like for the first year or two. Once, you know, once we really got going, it was just chaos every, every show, especially on Long Island at, at the beginning. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of a backyard promoter. <laughs> like, you never, never have that over here in the UK, we can tell you that. <laughs> My first thought was, that boy better look out, because Live Nation is coming for him. <laughs> <laughs> his back garden's going to be owned by somebody else in no time. Clear Channel are going to take his garden from him. That's mad. You, you never, yeah. You never know. It is possible. Uh, I mean, maybe they can, uh, maybe they can give him a good, a good money offer, buy his, uh, <laughs> buy his guard out for a hefty sum. <laughs> yeah, fingers. I'm sure for your garden. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy would that be? Like, just buying one man's garden off him to stop him from putting shows on in his own town. Like, that was fucking brilliant. It's the way the world's going. I don't doubt that happens soon. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, because the show looked awesome. It, it, and it reminded me of, the old days when shows kind of were like that, like they've luckily, well, luckily, is it luckily? As we've all kind of got older and matured, I guess mm -hmm. they've ca they've calmed slightly. But yeah, seeing those yeah. took me back to yeah shows yeah, early two thousand three to yeah, it was just wild. It was nuts. Well, what's what was pretty interesting is reconnecting a bit with the scene that's there now. You, we were able to see that like that's th those type of shows and that kind of energy is still happening. You know, yeah, I think like it's, it's really just that like people like us have gotten older and, you know, you don't want to do that sort of thing in a show anymore. <laughs> you know, you're going to be able to stand somewhere and uh, have some relative uh, peace around you and, yeah, or or sit sitting and watching a show is uh, great. I love I love that personally, uh, but but there are still younger uh, bands and and younger fans that uh, are doing the same thing, and and that was really cool to see. That's kind of like this tradition and this type of show is uh, is going strong still. Was there more than just Take It Back Sunday playing that show? Did like the local other local bands play, or was it just you guys? No, just just us. We. We did it specifically like for the music video. Yeah. And um, so a lot of the, uh, yeah, like a lot of the day was really actually taken up by setting up for it, getting the cameras, lights and things set up. And so there, there wasn't really much opportunity to kind of like have a full, you know, proper show like you normally would in, in that situation. But as you said, I'm sure it flew back so many, many of those old memories of the early days and just playing in the most random places. And especially, you mm -hmm. know, we hear so much tales of that Long Island scene and New Jersey and everything around there at that time. I mean, Tucker from Thursday told us about some of Jeff Rickley's party gigs in the, in the past and stuff. I mean, <laughs> it, what comes back? about those times in particular is there any weird situations of like 
places you've played and you're just kind of like, wow, I can't believe that was a, that was a thing back then. Yeah. I mean, back in the, in the early days, you know, a lot of those shows were being put on by basically kids, you know, so they would find any space where anybody would let them have a show. And so, yeah, I think like Thursday had a lot of similar experiences. Actually, that reminds me of the first time we played a show with Thursday. It was in this uh, restaurant that they would (laughs) shut the restaurant down and clear out all the chairs and tables and then set up a stage in there. But they also had like a a fountain, a big water fountain, like water feature, but there was like right behind the stage and, uh, and there was fake palm trees everywhere. It was like part of the theme of the restaurant. But so all that stuff is, is up and, and going still during the show. But, uh, Thursday had their stuff set up on there and it's like a makeshift stage that is not, you know, the most stable thing, but Thursday's equipment is right behind ours while we're playing. Adam stood up on one of the amps. I forget whose it was. I don't know if it was Steve's or not, but anyway, he's d- during the show singing and standing on one of the guys from Thursday's amp and the thing tumbled and fell off the back of the stage and, um, and Adam fell and luckily what wasn't hurt, but the amp had fallen probably, you know, it was probably like four or five feet high the stage and we hadn't even really met them yet. We're just playing our first show with them. We knew of them because they were really like breaking out before we were. So, so yeah, so that was our first introduction to them is, yeah, is Adam um, stood on one of your amps and then it fell off the stage and I hope everything's okay and you don't hate us kind of. And they were nice. They were as nice as they could be about it. And uh, it was still a little while though, before we actually got to be friends with them. And I'm not sure if that has anything to do with why it took a little while, but it might. <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh, I love stories like this. But as well, it's just the thought of this place being a really fine dining restaurant a couple of hours before, and then all these like emo kids coming in yeah. and going nuts with a fountain and palm trees. Oh, yeah, wild! I don't know. I don't know why the I, I, the restaurant was was up for that. I I, I have to think they maybe weren't doing that well if they were willing to like shut their whole whole restaurant down on like a Sunday night at six o'clock in the evening. But who knows? Unless, yeah, unless someone's got a kid, unless the owner's got a kid who likes the bands, I guess, or something like that. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. I've got a big space. You can play my, you can play my man's (laughs) restaurant. (laughs) Yeah. It's possible. Honestly, that might be, just send in Jeff an email. Jeff, I've got a restaurant. <laughs> Do you want to play? Take yeah, yes there or are no. giant fake plastic palm trees everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. <laughs> but like, talking about those early days, I mean, Taking Back Sunday have had such a connection with a whole generation of music lovers. I mean, just tell your friends on the home had such a cult fan base at that time in the early 2000s and a lot of people have grown up with the music of the band this live energy and that kind of double tone crossover vocals with a million hooks and melodies that Mm -hmm. you guys are are, are known for but like so much has happened within the last 20 odd years is it weird sometimes to, to see how far things have come i'm sure like at one moment things feel like forever ago but at the same time it feels like just yesterday you were playing restaurants with palm trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is one of those things that, and I, yeah, I think that probably happens with, with pretty much everybody. Once you get to a certain age in life, you look back and certain things seem like yesterday and other things seem like a uh, hundred years ago. And uh, it's definitely the same with us. And, it's very nice at this point to kind of look back on everything in a different way, I think, than it, than it was a little while ago. Like I, you know, like even as, as well as the band has done through the years, like we really had the mentality. I feel like almost up until probably three or four years ago that we, our mentality was that this thing could be over at any minute and that, you know, any day people could lose interest and we wouldn't be able to keep doing it. And we, I think that in a certain way kind of is what 
motivated us and kept us going. And then in another way, I think it was just this sort of um, insecurity and paranoia or something that we were all holding on to. And uh, so we, we finally kind of hit a point where we realized that we're, we're okay. And this is, uh, this is going to keep going uh, smoothly, you know, as long as we want it to. And that makes it a little more um, comfortable to, to, to look back and, and appreciate everything that, that has happened. You know, it, it feels, it feels a little uh, better and a little different than when you're still in the mindset of like, we just got to keep this going. We got to keep this going because it could end at any minute. It could end any day. We just got to got to keep it going. Don't let people forget about us. Yeah, and that's that's mad to you, really, because coming from someone who's a massive fan of you guys and has been since the first record, yeah, that's nuts to think that you think that's <laughs> fucking. That's mad, and it's good. I, do you know what? I think it's going to genuinely help a lot of people listening to this who are, who are like myself in much lesser bands to know that people like yourselves are worried about the same things that <laughs> us little fuckers are all worried about as well at the same time. So I appreciate, yeah, I, I mean, really, really appreciate that. Oh, well, that's good to hear it. You know, it, it's, uh, the, the, the thing is, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think everybody, that I know that's a musician has a similar mindset. And I don't really know if it matters like how big or small your band is. I think that's kind of something that most musicians kind of carry that mindset with them. As far as, as far as I know, it's just like, well, cause there is a reality to it. It's, uh, you know, it, like even taking back Sunday, it, you know, in when I came back to the band in 2010, it was, things are going great relatively speaking, but I knew and like the other guys knew, like looking at the comparison of the amount of people that were at shows at that point versus three or four years before that, that things were on a downswing and, you know, there is ups and downs in it, no matter how successful you get. I mean, I think there's very few people who like reach some kind of a, a peak and then just stay there and they're just kind of riding out this constant success. I think there's almost always just these ups and downs that you have to ride out. So it, you know, it, I, I think there was a few years there where, well, and I remember even we had friends telling us in like 2012 or 13 that the band was never going to get any bigger than it was at that point, which like commercially speaking was kind of a mid to low point is, you know, and like, hmm. but we didn't feel that way. And we turns out we were right to not feel that way because things kept going back up, up and up. And, you know, it feels like it hasn't really stopped at that since then, you know, that the band feels like it, it kept growing and, and, and getting bigger again. But yeah, people at that point were tough. Yeah. No, this is about it for you guys. You're, you're pretty much, you just going to ride this out at this level for the rest of your life. They yeah. don't sound like friends to me, John. <laughs> <laughs> So if they're listening, Maybe not. you hear that? Maybe yeah. Not. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is weird. It is weird how people's perspectives and, and stuff can can change so much of those things. But was there a certain moment that you all kind of felt comfortable with how the band is is going now in recent years? Was was there like a defining factor or anything, or did you just kind of feel comfortable again? Well, you know, one thing that happened was with having to stop touring and. Well, and we didn't really even make um, that much music together during the pandemic. So for like a year and a half I, ish, we didn't tour. We didn't play one show. You know, we kept in touch with each other, but we didn't really work on music. We had always worked on music as a group in the same room. So trying to do it through like emails and texts and phone calls just didn't feel right. So we, we were forced to just stop. And I think for a long time, we figured if we did stop for that long, that that would be something that would kind of make people lose interest or forget about us. So I think coming out the other side of that and having everything be, be still good, as, you know, as far as like the, the excitement and interest in the band, like, I think that really showed us like, how oh, okay, like we it's we're fine. We're okay. Like we're not like, we don't have to keep 
that mentality that we had and keep like constantly doing things every minute of every year to keep people's attention. Well, I'm glad you guys have realized that because yeah, big fan, big fan of, uh, of the latest records in particular, but can't wait for, for these new songs. But I think for a lot of people looking at Taking Back Sunday as a whole, I think they would probably categorize a lot of different eras within the band. And I mean, obviously mm-hmm. you and Sean Cooper left in 03 to do Straight Light Run and the band having its kind of own lease of life in that time. And I don't want to ask, does it feel like your band again, but did it take time kind of warming up to Taking Back Sunday again when you guys came back? Like, did it feel like you needed to put the TBS hat on or did it just quickly feel like back where we left off in kind of 0203? Um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it, it felt surprising how quickly it, it all came back together and like felt normal. You know, um, I wouldn't say that it, it felt like 2003 or that, you know, we necessarily picked up where we left off or something. But as soon as we got into a room to play music together for the first time, it everybody clicked automatically everyone like felt comfortable everyone was just like in a certain way it weirdly did feel like not that much time had passed so i don't know i think there was something because of the um the five of us at the start of that band and through that whole uh year and a half or whatever it was of of touring off of tell all your friends like we went through a really kind of insane experience that nobody else in the world can understand, you know, cause you could, uh, we could talk to somebody about it and explain things about what it was like, but there was only the five of us that actually experienced it and, and know what the, the making of that album, what the, you know, the response to the album and, and everything that came with it, what that was like. So, I think there was some sort of a a bond that just that was just there and 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 was very obvious when we all started uh, playing music again. Was the muscle memory there, or that? Do you remember the first rehearsal back with the band? Yeah, I mean, fortunately, we did well. We got together to work on new music before we um, ever rehearsed any of the the old stuff. So that was, that was nice. Uh, I mean, like for me, especially because, yeah, I was not really like prepared at all to play. Well, especially all the songs that I had not been a part of writing. Uh, I was not prepared to do that at all. So writing new stuff was like, (laughs) right, was where I was at and where like what I was ready for. And um, once we did get together to play our first shows and I was learning those songs from the second and third album is mostly what I learned. Um, that was really challenging for me. And those first couple of rehearsals were, were pretty bad. I remember looking at the other guys, then they're being kind of like, did we make a mistake here? Bringing, bringing this guy back here. Like, cause you know, my thing, like I, I can remember almost anything I've ever made up on a guitar going back to when I was a teenager I could probably play for you in just, just had to think about it for a few minutes. And it's not that hard for me. No, even if it's something that's more challenging, it, it can just come right back. But playing stuff that other people make up is much more challenging for me. So that was, a, that was probably the biggest, uh, the biggest hurdle was having to get used to learning these parts and things that, that I hadn't made up. And it definitely made me much better um, at playing the guitar. So that was good. <laughs> but good yeah yeah i'm I'm glad some positive came from that then because yeah i was worried that you were gonna go well at first i was like should we just do tell all your friends and this new stuff we've done and then just ignore well if it was if it was up to me that's what that's what we would have done i i knew that wasn't gonna happen though but when you look at it now i mean you and sean have been in this band and being on more records than you haven't and i'm sure that's uh it's funny how, yeah. how time of time is a uh, can pass on on those stuff as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's nice that you can be at a place now as well where those other songs are second nature to you, and you can all just celebrate what the band has been in the past and still going forward with these new songs and just kind of 
enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything um, with these new songs in particular or just recent years in terms of guitar playing or songwriting that you've tried differently or, or really come to, to fruition that maybe you wouldn't have done in the early days? Um, well, with the, the new album, we really uh, ended up taking a different approach to, to things. Um, like our songwriting process was the same. And, um, you know, we spent a long time just with the, the four of us just writing and demoing. And then when we finally found our producer, um, uh, Tushar Apti, who, who produced the album, he, we met him through um, doing a song with Steve Aoki uh, a couple years ago, and he yeah. was producing and engineering that song. And he's younger than us and kind of comes from a pop music world, but he's also like an amazing musician. Um, so he had this, this whole different mindset and his way of, of, of working on songs was totally different. So I think that was the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of what, what happened was the stuff we had worked on and demoed and wrote, we would bring into the studio with him and, and he would kind of take it and rearrange it like all within, you know, his, his, his recording program and like bring these new ideas to what we had already done. And, and even, you know, kind of like the way he would sometimes edit parts and like, and, and, and structure and things like that. There was just like a, a whole new element that, that he brought to, to what we did, I think because of his background. So, you know, I think that was the, that's the biggest thing. I think if, if you hear the new songs and the new record, it's like very clearly taking back Sunday, but then in another way, there's something like completely uh, different about it as compared to everything else. And and I think he was a big part of that. Nice. Did he have any strange recording techniques? Cause I know a lot of producers have different things that they like to do or whatever. Did he have any ones that you were like, what? I'm not head, but in that tambourines in a hallway. <laughs> I think, well, one of the things that was strangest to us, you know, be, because of like him not coming from the, the pop or from not the rock world, like, you know, like I said, like every, like almost everything he would do would be within uh, the, the computer. And so a lot of times we'd just be sitting in the room and listening while he's trying out different sounds. Uh, like he might bring like this synth sound into a part and, or like, you know, the, the, that song Amphetamine Smiles that we put out, we're just kind of listening to him rearrange the song and like the acoustic guitar that's at the beginning and the whole first verse was just a layer in the song at, at one point. And I think like drums and a bunch of other instruments were there for the whole first verse of the song. And then gradually he's kind of just stripping stuff away and it gets down to what you hear now. But there was a lot of times like that where, you know, we're just kind of sitting in the room and like listening to where he's taking it. And that was a new experience, you know, like, cause usually if we're rearranging something like that, we're just, it's like the producer, like, okay, go in and try it this way. And then you all go in and try to play it a certain way and see, oh, does that work or does it not work? And here we're just kind of sitting and listening in real time as he just, it's like, this is a whole new, here's a whole new approach to this song. What do you think? And we're like, yeah. holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> was anybody, anybody but hurt by that at all? Is anybody like, I wrote a part specifically to be there? No, nah, I don't think so. I think, you know, we're all, uh, we're all big boys, you know, we're, <laughs> we've, you know, you gotta, I think we've all learned through, through the years that it's in the songwriting and recording process. You, you gotta let things go. Um, and, but, but you, what you, it really, it, it really helps if everybody trusts the producer, which they did in this case. I think in the past, the only time that would happen is if someone just, they are attached to a part, but it's not that they can't let it go. It's that they don't trust necessarily that it's the right move to take the part out. You know, it's like, but as long as everyone knows it's going to be serving the song and making the song better, I think, you know, for the most part, no one gets too worried about any of their ideas being cut. 
Yeah, and I guess if he's doing it all on a computer, he can literally show you almost instantly what he means, rather than go, yeah. you guys go in there and try that, and you're like, oh, it's not going to fucking work. Don't listen to him, boys. What does he know? <laughs> his, his friend throws cakes. His friend's literal. His onstage persona is a cake thrower. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, while we're uh, talking about songwriting, one thing about the band I've always wanted to ask is, Especially in the early days when you were kind of setting the foundations of like, you know, the DNA of what the band was going to be and all this. I've talked about um, all these stupid over the top melody hooks on top of vocals, on top of hooks, on top of vocals. Was there ever a point when you were writing like a bridge or a second chorus at the end of a song and you're going, this bit's a bit too good to put just randomly in the middle of this. Maybe we should (laughs) save this for a different (laughs) song. Or was it just like... No, this is, we're full of ideas. This is really cool. Let's keep it going. Because that's one thing I think people have always admired about the band is that like you've got a chorus, but any other bit of the song could probably <laughs> be a chorus as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something we've always uh, liked and, and always kind of aspired to. And, and I mean, I, I would say like as long as the chorus feels really really good than anything that comes even if it just happens once that might be also really good or at you know on par with the chorus i i feel like that then it's just adding to the uh to the quality of the song and i also i love i love in in any type of music when you hear uh a chorus and you figure okay well that's that's the chorus and then it's followed up by something that's even more memorable and more exciting. And you're like, Oh my God, now this is, this is the real chorus, <laughs> I guess. And, or even when it's like a, a part that doesn't happen until the last minute of the song, when you think you've heard everything um, that you're going to hear and, and it's not going to really change much. And then they'll introduce some new thing. That's, that's really exciting and, and awesome. Like, I think that's just the type of thing that we've always wanted to, to make happen with our songs. So, you know, I think, we always shoot for that. And it, I think it's, we hopefully have, have, have done it. I think, you know, we don't always hit, hit the mark, but we're, we're oh, shooting for that yeah. level <laughs> of uh, excitement in our songs. You've hit the mark so well with that, that it spawned probably a million terrible oh. bands who can't do it. <laughs> so they try it. Yeah. They try it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a bash. It's not going to be as good. A perfect example for that for me is uh, the last chorus in You Got Me, because that always makes me even more hyped than the rest of the song, even mm-hmm. though it's really catchy in a, <laughs> in a weird way. But uh, John, as we yeah. start to, to wind down on this conversation um, a little bit, I really appreciate you opening up about so much. But we'd like to just have a little chat about Straylight Run, if that's all right with you as well, because I feel sure. that was such an, an interesting project to do, especially with Sean and you know, and your sister as well, and it being um you know so active within those years. It's hard to juggle multiple bands at the same time. But is there any like thoughts of trying to do something uh, again? You did something in 2021. There's always been like weird question marks on hiatus and that kind of stuff. Or is it just kind of like a family thing? Whenever you feel like you could do it, maybe you'll do it. Uh, it's, it's definitely more like that. Like that whenever we feel like we could do it, then, then we will. Um, you know, doing, we did those shows um, around taking back Sunday's holiday shows. And I think we did four four shows with taking back sunday so you know straylight run played a 40 minute set i think before the taking back sunday set but one thing you know that there's just like logistically so many things that go into that one of the reasons we could do those shows so easily was that we basically borrowed all of taking back sunday's crew and equipment and uh you know had everything we needed in place without right. having to organize it uh, separately ourselves. And, you know, so there's a lot of things like that where it's like, you know, to, to go on a tour as Stray Light Run, it, it's not just a matter of like everybody getting together and rehearsing. It's like, you got to reorganize the entire infrastructure mm. of, of the band. You know, you need to get crew, you need to get some way to travel around and you need to, you know, there's just a whole lot of things that have to get to come together. And 
you know, really then with, and two with the, the way that taking back Sunday has been going ever since we got back into writing for this record, there just really is not been the time to like, for me to, to put that much energy and focus into doing something else. So, and I definitely know that too. I, I don't want to ever do anything straight at run related as kind of like a, uh, afterthought or like a half-ass kind of, uh, oh, let's just try this real quick and see if we can do it. You know, if we do anything, I want to be able to do it right. So, so far, there hasn't really been any time that that seems like it makes sense for, for me, at least. Do you have, um, do you have any outstanding straight run memories that come to mind when just kind of looking back at those days in particular because i feel like it maybe it doesn't get showcased enough and i just like to know um some of your kind of like favorite little tidbits from from that time um well one thing that was kind of that i just thought of that was weird is uh this the first time we ever played australia played in the uk um possibly before our first album was out and that was the first time i had ever played a show in the uk because taking back sunday hadn't had a chance to go there yet and uh so all of my first experience a lot of my first experiences traveling and playing outside of uh the us were with straylight run and so that was like that was always a that's an interesting thing like looking back because as much as taking back sunday toured we pretty much did just like the us and and canada we got we went to canada a, a bit but you know, Canada's sort of just like barely feels like going to another country if you're yeah. from here. It's, you know, sort of like yeah, it's, it's the Wales to England. It's, it's the Wales <laughs> to England. It's the Scotland yeah. to England. Yeah, it's yeah. just them. Yeah, Next door, that's yeah. what I say. When Americans say to me, "Oh, where are you from?" and I go Wales, and they're like, "Oh, in England." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, like you're Canadian or Mexican," and then they go, "I'm not," and they're like, "Yeah, well, shut up. Yeah, it's different country." But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it took it took me a little while to to figure out, uh, you know, that, that Wales and England was not the, the same place, oh. and uh, you know, it, it, I, I think by the, the maybe second or third tour I was on, I, I was I figured it out, but it maybe longer than it should have for me. <laughs> I, lo- yeah. I, love, I love the idea of you finding out the hard way and going Cardiff, England, and then everybody just boos <laughs> forever in a lovely sung. Almost like singing style, like the Welsh do. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. But uh, yeah, Australia Run got to do a lot of pretty crazy things. As far as we we, we played a, a festival in South Korea, you know, like what? We, oh. it did yeah a couple of Australian tours and uh, like all of that stuff was uh, was the first time for for all of us. So you know that there's a uh, there's definitely something about that. You know, it's like it's always fun to go back to any other country, but that first time that you go there as a band is always like, just like amazing. And you all, you feel like so uh, excited and nervous and you don't know what's going on half the time. And it's just like a totally different experience than when you've been doing it for a while and, and go back to the places and, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I know I understand what's going on here now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Your career has just been one hell of a journey. I'm really glad that you could share some stories and stuff of that with us. So thank you, John. Um, before you go, obviously, yeah. you know, new album, 152, coming out next week. Is there any other thoughts or anything in particular from this record you'd like people to really hone in on or look out for when they're listening? Um, I, I would like them to, to look out for and hone in on how good it is. I think that would be um, <laughs> ideal. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's it's true. really, it's really good. So um, look out for that while you're listening. Uh, look for all the things that are good about it. Um, <laughs> look out for how good it is. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, like, like, like yeah, like someone's listening going, yeah, it's all right. And you go, yeah, but have you listened to how good it is? And they've gone, but yeah. Oh well, I, no. Now you've mentioned it. It's fucking. <laughs> yeah. Believe. You might you might have to pay attention a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. it, it is really good once you pay attention. Oh, so, cool, yeah. Uh, that's just one thing I want people to know. And I mean, I can't believe that it's coming out next week. That it's still like uh, a little bit surreal. Uh, we've been working on the album 
you know, since we started writing, it was probably almost two years ago. So this, the, 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 path from the the first writing session to it coming out next week it, it's just hard to uh to believe it's all it's all happening yeah well, here we are one last question i guess um do you uh, so are you pronouncing it are the band pronouncing it as 152 <laughs> or 152 or 152 because some people so, are obviously like Blink, are gonna fuck this up <laughs> i so we we've I've been saying one five two, but I I don't know what that's based off of. It's not. There's not really like a correct way to say it, which I think has been kind of a problem because whenever we answer the question, it's sort of like this, where it's kind of like I think one five two. Um. So we're not really like making anybody sure about it. Some a fan did point out to us though that. We in like 2011 or 12, we had these uh, jackets that we sold with the Taking Back Sunday, with the Panther on the back of the jacket, and it said Taking Back Sunday, and then it said written out in in words one five two. So they kind of pointed to that as the uh, as the correct pronunciation, and maybe that is maybe that was what was making me say it like that. I didn't really know why I said one five two, but that's what I've been well. saying. But I'd say, you know, whatever you want to say. I think 152 is quicker to say. <laughs> People usually like to shorten things. So I don't know. We well, should maybe go with that. This is why I want the band's perspective. So I can act like a snob when someone goes, oh, it's <laughs> actually 152. And I'm like, well, I think you'll find John Olin said it's 152. <laughs> so uh, I would, if I was you, I would just correct anybody, no matter which way they say it. Yeah. With, yeah. We're the wrong one. <laughs> actually, yeah. I think you'll find... John Nolan said he was 15 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 152. Oh, well, there we are. Yeah. Well, there we are. Half well, of three and, yeah, it's actually half of 304. <laughs> what? You're going too far with wow. it. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate your time. So excited for this new music and can't wait for yeah. you guys to come back over to the UK at Please. some point as well. Thanks. Yeah. Next year, I'm sure we will be there. It's, it's going to happen. Thanks for having me back. Yes! That was the lovely, lovely John Nolan of Take It Back Sunday and A Stray Light Run. Yes, absolutely. Means the world that we got to have this conversation. And, you know, it's just a band I can never get enough of live. I can't wait for them to come back to the UK. And this new album, 152, it seems like there's a, a very special place for the guys writing music again. And uh, it's just lovely to see, after all these years, a band who has had so much influence on a whole generation of music lovers and other artists and everything is uh, still going strong and still putting out killer singles, killer tracks, and just loving life. Yes, and playing fantastic shows in back gardens as well. <laughs> what an event that was. I saw it go online. I was like, oh, I want to do something like that, which just shows they're still influential to this <laughs> very day. Right. How hard do you think it would be to book a backyard show for the blackout? Because you've got to bear in mind, people's back gardens in the UK aren't as nice as they are in the States. Really, unless there's like a mansion you can play. Well, at. that's it, innit? Yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. you're um, a multimillionaire or uh, your parents are Tories, you're not gonna have a big garden big enough for you. But um, if uh, organizing the five shows in the Blackout have coming up in February's anything to go by, it would be nigh on impossible to do a backyard <laughs> gig <laughs> because every day I'm getting more costs and more absolute rubbish that I need to do. So me and my five friends can play five gigs in the UK. <laughs> it's mental. It's costing a it's costing a fucking absolute fortune. Just want to play some shows with my friends. Mad. Mad. You'd think it'd be book five venues, turn up at five venues, play the fucking five venues. Yeah. No. No, man. No. No, no. It's much, 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 much more work. And yeah, I've got to give away money now to insurance companies. Only off chance that all our gear gets stolen from where? <laughs> the bus we're sleeping on. <laughs> Will you hear it? Where? The venue that's locked up and has security all around it, is it? What's the fucking point? Anyway, 
Um, yes, I will try and I'll look into a backyard show. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, you know, with all the Spotify money coming in, you, you, oh, you just... tell me about it. The £46 there, right? pound I got paid a week ago, right, Woo! by PRS, it's gone straight back into the band, right? We're all living like kings. It's fucking mental. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, go and see the Blackout play the UK in February 2024. Tickets available now. Yeah, do you know what? I will say, please come and see the Blackout in February. Because it might be the only chance you get to see us. Um, not because we don't want to play more shows, just because um, I'm organizing the shows and I don't want to have to go through all of the things I'm currently going through just to play five shows with my friends in February. <laughs> so please come to that one, because if you do, it might make it worth me deciding to book more. But otherwise, I might not fucking bother because... As much as I've begged for the blackout for eight years, yeah. I also didn't want to take on three or four full-time jobs just to fucking play the gigs as well. So please come along in February, theblackoutband.com for tickets. It's, it's nice, isn't it, when the singer and you know, has to deal with being the manager of the band as well, I, I guess. Not- the booking agent, yeah. the social Ooh, media yeah, manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I was tool manager for a little bit until I employed someone to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm the accountant. I'm the um, agency. Um, fucking yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, fucking nice. brilliant. It's absolutely hey. fucking brilliant. So, M- Music industry, it's great. Just want to play some shows with my friends. Why the fuck do I have to do all this stuff? <laughs> Oh, uh, well, you know, we have some good, good laughs in between to get you stressed out with the podcast, I guess. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Who knows? And um, I thought about this the other day, right? I think in these outros now, I think we should introduce a new section. I haven't told you this. This is live recording first time a new section we might, might do if it sounds good enough. Spotify uh, let you leave comments on podcasts if you've enjoyed them and oh, stuff lately. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we love people to leave reviews on Apple podcasts and stuff as well. So I was thinking if people ask good enough questions or leave interesting enough comments on Spotify and Apple, maybe we'll, uh, we'll read them out. Maybe we'll talk about them and discuss them in the outros of these podcasts going forward. Yes. So they've got to be good. You can't be smarky. You can't try and make us say silly words because the patrons do that anyway. So, you know, if you've got anything you, you think of, Head to your, head to the uh, the comedy bit of Spotify, the review section of Apple Podcasts, and you know we'll see what happens. Yes, do that. I guess I don't know. Yeah, just get us more engagement on stuff. Please retweet <laughs> if you see us or reacts or yeah, whatever it's fucking called. Do that if you see our posts. Please, we need to get out to as many people as possible. Um, especially if you're not supporting our Patreon, you must at least retweet and like every post you see by us. Because you are getting this shit for free, you robbing, wow. absolutely robbing, thieving bastards. Like, you don't do our music enough. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you go to patreon.com, force us happening, um, there's loads of different tiers there for you to choose from. You can go as little as a pound, I believe. I might be wrong. I might have made that up. But check it out, patreon.com, force us happening. <laughs> um, if you go to the description of this episode, wherever you listen to podcasts, you will see a whole load of absolutely wonderful names of Patreons. But these are the top tiers. Thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwa, Janelle Castan, Paul Hirschfield, Tony Michael, Dilly Grimwood, Kelly Irwin, Scarlett Charlton, Natasha Morris, Emma Barber, Mitch Perry, Nathan Croshaw, Nathan White, Amy Louise, Alexandra Pemblinton, Kat Besson, Molly Malloy and James Bowerbank, Jonathan Gutierrez, Jerry Robson, Murray Grimwood, Scott Jones, Amy Dawson, Stuart McNaught, Ellen Southfield, Stephen Aston, Caroline Robson, Kate Patak, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Jenny Munster, Jason Aredia, John and Emma, M. Evans-Roberts, Craig Harris, Evan, Sean Foynes, Vicky, Emily Perry, Adam King of the Goss Parslow, who's currently out on tour with Kids in Glasshouses, hope that went well, Kalila Keane, Ollie Amesby, Josh, give this girl a drink of lemonade last night and she completely fell in love with me. I swept her off her feet. Because he didn't have enough characters to finish that. Ugh. Thank you very much. Kyle David-Smith and last by no means, Connor Lewins and family. Thank you very much to all of those people there. Uh, I prefer a Sprite anyway. But yes, we love our Patreon with every single fibre of our heart. The hearts are fibre. Being. 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 I've, I've Being. merged two sayings there, haven't I? But if you follow us on social media, at Sabling Pods, you've probably noticed me and the uh, podcast account posting about loads of gigs we've been at too lately. I went to see um, Funeral for a Friend in Cardiff. I went to see 
Blink-182 in London, and this week I'm seeing Kids and Glass Houses in London, and the amount of Patreons getting involved and meeting up at these things and different gigs all around the country, in different countries all around the world, is absolutely fantastic. So get involved with it. It's honestly a wonderful community that we can't say good, enough good things about. Patreon.com forward slash Sapning. We appreciate them. We appreciate you for listening. And we'll be back next week and every Friday with another special guest, some laughs and chaos in between. Who knows? Yes. Fingers crossed. Sapning! Sapning! Quality. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.